Midday Live on SAFM, 104-107. Thank you very much. It's seven and a half minutes past 12 right here on Midday Live on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Very interesting to note that uh, the Global Food Security Index uh, says that uh, South Africa is ranked as the most food secure country on the African continent. That's uh, very interesting. We're still going to go to Durban, Etegwini, where we hear that uh, there's been an investigation launched there following the deaths of at least 30 people in different hospitals in the city due to a diarrhea outbreak. So that's another story that uh, we'll be looking at. We hope to go to Egypt also. At least uh, 51 people were killed yesterday, as you saw uh, some of us uh, visuals coming through on television uh, when uh, the army opened fire on supporters of uh, uh, the deposed president there, Mohamed Morsi. So that's another story that uh, we hope to uh, look at uh, extensively here on uh, Midday Live on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Another story that uh, we hope to bring to you uh, this hour, over 21,000 educators have applied. Uh, that's between January and March this year for uh, incapacity leave and for early retirement due to ill health. However, there's been uh, delays in the processing uh, of these applications by the department due to the lengthy processes involved. So now uh, these uh, delays have resulted in double parking or double pay, as it were. So we hope to bring this story for you this uh, lunch hour. It's nine minutes past 12. Uh, Our top story this hour, uh, one in two people around the world think that uh, corruption has worsened in the past two years. That's according to a survey released by a Berlin-based global civil society organization, Transparency International. The Global Corruption Barometer 2013 looks at the opinion of members of the public in 107 countries around the world on corruption levels in their countries. More than 20,000 people were interviewed from 20 different countries in sub-Saharan Africa on what governments are doing to fight corruption. For more on this now, we joined on the line by um, uh, Tapiwa Uchi Nyasulu, who is uh, the regional coordinator of the Southern Africa Department at uh, Transparency International. Good afternoon to you, Tapiwa. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Uh, what did uh, the research uh, find about uh, Southern Africa? You looked at about uh, uh, 20 different countries in sub-Saharan Africa, but uh, what does the figures tell you about uh, the bottom part of Africa, which is Southern Africa? Well, uh, it is quite indeed alarming. You know, uh, in sub-Saharan Africa, you know, the report actually indicates that Two out of, you know, uh, four people that were surveyed actually indicated that, you know, they paid, uh, you know, a bribe, you know, in aid of the uh, uh, services, you know, uh, uh, that they had in contact with, so they tried to access. And that's education, judiciary, medical and health services, the police, the registry and permit service and utilities, tax and land services. So this is quite alarming, and it shows that well, corruption is indeed widespread, you know, uh, uh, at the moment. And just coming down to South Africa uh, as, as a country, it's also quite uh, uh, interesting to note that actually 47% of the people that were surveyed actually indicated that they paid a bribe in all these eight listed services in mm. the past 12 months. So this is, you know, uh, bringing out the, you know, to the country to say, well, there is, you know, corruption hurts people and corruption is indeed, you know, a, a real and it's becoming rampant, 
you know, uh, around the world as actually around, you know, in South Africa, and it's impacting on the lives of the people. And, and, and what kind of corruption and bribes are you talking about? Is it, uh, is it uh, people really trying to get work, trying to get tenders, as it were, in South Africa? Or is it generally people maybe trying to get out of uh, trouble, maybe just bribing a, a traffic officer? Uh, well, as I've said, you know, uh, there are eight services that, you know, uh, were listed. You're talking of the education, the judiciary, and the police, and the medical and health services. This, you know, it's where people are trying to access, you know, services, and you have public officials who are, you know, uh, uh, supposed to provide free services in the case if it's free service provided, and yet, you know, people are actually, you know, trying to do, you know, to get, uh, 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 to pay the bribe in order to get, you know, uh, 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 a child being you know, attended to. And that also, you're looking at issues of, 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 of public, you know, uh, 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 tendering and all that. All the services that people would like to access to and have an equal share, but, you know, they are all those barriers. They're forced to pay a bribe to get a service. Mm. And, and for every corruption to happen, there must be a corruptee and a corruptor. Now, uh, does it cut uh, both sides? Who is the most corrupt? Will it be the people who are uh, in, in, in authority, maybe to, so that they are forcing people who are merely trying to get a service done to bribe them? Or is it also uh, the, 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 the corruptors, people really who are trying to get those services, who are pushing for this bribe to happen? As for you know, for Transparency International, uh, we believe that, well, both, you know, the crafty and the one to, you know, uh, 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 are the one seeking, you know, our service are to blame because uh, you're looking at the levels where we're saying if we are to have, uh, you know, uh, strong institutions that are actually made, you know, to protect, you know, uh, uh, individuals or, you know, to protect citizens from corruption. You're talking of, you know, high numbers here. You're talking of the police. You're talking of the judiciary system, which is labeled to be, you know, uh, corrupt. And these are, you know, institutions that have been, you know, uh, 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 trusted with the powers to protect the citizens, and yet they are involved. Of course, it's both sides. The people must reject and denounce corruption. But at the same time, we're saying, well, governments, you know, need you know, uh, to come up with solutions, and that is, you know, uh, uh, coming up with codes of conduct of members of public officials in order to ensure that, well, these institutions and the officials are corrupt-free and do not really lead on asking or extorting from people to pay a bribe. So it's cutters across, you know, both ways, calling upon the government and the public institutions, as well as the citizens to stand up, you know, and join the fight against corruption, which, as Transparency International, we're really, you know, uh, uh, happy to say that in South Africa, they say, we are trying to reestablish ourselves, you know, uh, 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 our presence to, you know, join hands in fighting corruption. We've already tried to discuss with, uh, you know, Institute for Security Studies if we can try to, you know, help and come up with some activities in the work of, you know, fighting corruption in the police sector, as well as Corruption Watch, you know, uh, also trying to look at how better we can, you know, involve the masses out there to report corruption and then we can take it up, you know, and, and support mm. the citizens out there. Yes. But also, uh, did you find in your uh, survey that uh, there are people who are 
as it were, incorruptible or people who just don't want to get into corruption? Do you find that uh, people really, uh, some people would say, no, I've never paid a bribe and I'll never pay a bribe? Of course, yes. The survey, you know, uh, indicates that, you know, uh, 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 some people, you know, uh, did not, you know, pay a bribe. Uh, you know, uh, uh, in these other, you know, uh, services. Unfortunately, you know, uh, the question itself could not have a follow-up, you know, question to say uh, uh, why it was that so. But the the, the 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 thing that I would like to highlight here is that others, you know, are indicating that, well, they didn't pay a bribe, but they felt some consequences, and that is, you know, uh, 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 being be, be being denied of the services and losing lives, you know, in the process. And, and, and that's, you know, uh, something which is not really pleasing and, you know, uh, uh, to the ears of, of every citizen in country. But that also shows that people are willing to join hands to say, well, with the information that I have, I know that I'm supposed to get maybe free, you know, uh, access to this service. I'm not going to pay. So it's also, you know, uh, giving hope that, well, you know, we have people out there who can denounce and can refuse to pay a bribe. Of course, there will be, you know, uh, consequences that people face, which we do not in this, you know, uh, uh, era. But we are, we're glad to say, well, there are others that are saying no to paying a bribe, mm. but at a high cost, yeah. All right, as, as we wrap up here, uh, is, is there a way, I know that uh, you are a civil society uh, organization and you say you're highlighting that you want to, you are talking to ISS, for instance, but uh, uh, if other organizations uh, that are, are active in fighting uh, corruption want to be part of, of what you are doing, is there, is there a way that uh, they can team up with, uh, with yourselves, with ISS, maybe, so that at least we, we root out the scourge of corruption, particularly uh, in public service? Yes, uh, uh, there is is a way whereby uh, we do encourage, and we actually should indicate that, you know, from the sub-Saharan Africa, you know, uh, within the the, the department, I do get quite a number of, you know, uh, requests and also people uh, 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 reporting corruption or, or, or issues that have happened in country. So the lines are open where, you know, all our contacts are online, where we do actually uh, uh, get, you know, uh, on the table with people to discuss how best we can do that. Apart from that, as I've also mentioned, we've got also Corruption Watch that is in-country, was established last year, who we're also, you know, partnering with on this work. So uh, 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 you can join hands with them, as uh, you know, above all, you can contact us, you know, uh, uh, directly as citizens, as well as uh, organizations who would want to fight, you know, our corruption in the public services. And hopefully we can achieve whereby we live in a corrupt-free world and a corrupt-free South Africa and people getting services based on what, you know, is entitled to them and not through corruption or bribery. Mm. All right, uh, thank you very much. Uh, that's uh, very interesting there uh, on the line, uh, Tapiwa Uchi Nyasulu, who is uh, the regional coordinator of the Southern African Department at uh, Transparency International. At uh, 18 minutes past 12, just on that, taxpayers are paying bribes when paying uh, taxes. That's uh, Rupson 
Dima there. And uh, this one coming through from Spiwe uh, in KwaZulu Natal, SMS us on uh, 34701 says, What becomes clear in the global corruption survey is that African countries who always whine about a uh, bullism of uh, the West are the most corrupt nations. That's uh, Spiwe in uh, KwaZulu Natal. And uh, Charles in Cape Town says, uh, uh, Corruption uh, with uh, the advances in technology, there are fewer checks and balances in place generally. That's uh, Charles in Cape Town. At 19 past 12. Our top story this hour dozens of uh, Metropass drivers affiliated to Municipal Workers Union SAMU are picketing outside the offices of the employer in the Johannesburg city centre. Looking at the markets this hour, gold is trading at $1,252.70 an ounce, platinum at $1,336.95 an ounce, the rand is trading at 10 rand. Seven cents against the U.S. dollar at 14.95 cents to the pound and 12.96 to the euro. Join me, Hilton Tarrant, every weeknight at six for the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb, with breaking business news, expert analysis, investment insights, and the story behind the story. We're helping you make sense of the markets and your money. That's the Market Update weeknights right here on SAFM at six. The Institute of Municipal Finance Officers is inviting all people responsible for finance and governance in local government to attend the annual conference on the 30th September up until the 2nd October 2013 at the Durban ICC. This year's theme is Sustainable and Compliant Governance with a focus on how municipalities can improve on corporate governance, compliance and delivery of services. For more information, go to imfo.co.za and take the next step and join the leaders of municipal finance excellence. Remember, the annual conference on 30th September at the Durban ICC. This advert is brought to you by the Platinum Sponsors, Standard Bank and PwC. SAFM interacts on every level. Visit our website at safm.co.za. Follow us on Twitter at SAFM Radio or simply like our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. Let's have the conversation. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Over 21,000 educators have applied for incapacity leave or end early retirement due to ill health. That's between January and March this year alone. However, there have been delays in processing these applications by the department due to the lengthy processes involved. The delays have resulted in double parking, that is, paying off uh, temporary teachers in the same posts which are held by those teachers who have been on sick leave uh, for a long time. For more on this now, we're joined on the line by our reporter, Abongwe Kobukwane. Uh, Abongwe, good afternoon to you. Uh, good afternoon. Obviously, this uh, came out uh, in the National Assembly. There was a question that was asked, and the department was responding to this, telling us that uh, over 21,000 educators uh, this year alone uh, have applied for incapacity leave and, of course, or early retirement. Just talk us through uh, the question itself, but also the, 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 the reply or the response by the department. Well, uh, that's correct, Bongi. In, in fact, um, the, 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 the question was um, and, uh, uh, how many applications uh, by educators that are still waiting, uh, uh, awaiting the process for incapacity leave and ill health retirement in each provinces. Then the Minister of Basic Education replied by saying that uh, a total number of, of, of 21,000 
407 applications have been received for the period uh, between January and, and March 2013. So that's basically where this information comes emanated from. Mm. And, and uh, did, did the minister say why the delay? Well, uh, uh, there are quite a number of, of, of reasons, but uh, um, the, 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 the main reasons uh, is that uh, she says that there was a suspension of, of what they call a health risk managers, uh, and due to that, the provincial departments were then unable to process and finalize these applications, uh, which then has resulted to what is called a double parking. Uh, whereby temporal educators were then appointed in, 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 in post while those, uh, while other teachers are, are off sick for a long period. Mm. And, and I see also uh, uh, further to that in, in responding to that question that uh, what has been the impact of the delays in processing the specified applications. Uh, the department says this uh, places added stress on already strained compensation budgets of uh, PEDs. Just talk us through that. Well, uh, we, 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 we tried to spoke to the department this morning. Uh, I mean, uh, according to it, well, that, uh, this, this, bed, this bedlock, uh, in the, uh, in, the in, in the processing of these applications has affected the education system in terms of being able to identify, uh, the number of teachers, uh, that are supposed to be in class and, and, and able to perform their duties. And, and, and this cuts across to, to all the provinces, but KwaZulu-Natal being number one confronted by the problem. And, uh, and, and um, uh, they, they say also uh, temporal teachers were then being appointed to fill in those positions. Um, and, and, and the issue that um, the department is, is now actually, all the, the provincial departments are now being busy attending to the matter as a matter of agents, but it's not clear as to when they are being they are going. It is going to be able to to, to finalize these, these processes. But uh, basically, it means double pay. Well, uh, you, you 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 can say that uh, because I mean, even those teachers that are on on, on sick leave, they are still in the system, and while at the very same time, the the, the, the temporal teachers are are being paid at the very same time. Yes, you can say that it's a, it's a double pay. And, and of course, those who have applied for uh, to be medically boarded. But thank you very much, Abonga uh, Kobokane, who is uh, also uh, our reporter there following that story. Let me just uh, give you some figures here. KwaZulu Natal has got uh, 7,806 uh, educators there who are waiting to have uh, their uh, papers processed so that uh, they can uh, have their incapacity leave approved. And uh, in uh, the Eastern Cape is 5,604, followed by Mbumalanga there, 3,726. Uh, Northern Cape only has 140 teachers. We go to Durban now, where the Department of uh, Communicable Diseases there in Eteguini has launched an investigation following the deaths of at least 30 people in different hospitals in the city due to a diarrhea outbreak. The deaths occurred in the period between May and June. About 22 of the deaths were reported at Prince Mshieni Hospital, south of Durban. Head of uh, the department, Dr. Ayo Olowo-Lagba, says that they conducted tests in which 50% of the samples collected uh, came out positive for the rotavirus, a virus that causes severe diarrhea. He joins us on the line. Good afternoon to you, uh, Doc. Good afternoon, and good afternoon to your listeners. Thirty people have uh, have died uh, between the month uh, of May and uh, June, and of course, uh, can you confirm uh, for sure that uh, the, 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 in fact there was 
an outbreak of diarrhea in Durban? There's an outbreak of diarrhea in Durban, yes. And, and what, what started had, from May. Started from May. All right, and uh, in, in your investigations, what have you found? Uh, we, the, we are, the, the investigation that we, 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 we conducted is, is uh, still ongoing, and uh, we would, should be having a uh, re- report by the end of the week, say next week. Um, but uh, for now, we are concentrating on uh, information sharing and uh, uh, health education uh, in terms of uh, um, uh, hygiene, environmental and personal hygiene uh, in, 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 in the populace. Mm. And uh, I saw in, in one of your reports you were saying the outbreak is severe in the areas of uh, Amawoti, Inanda, which uh, a, a greater part of, of those areas are, are informal settlements and, and, of course, townships. Yes. Uh, but that, that is not only the, the place. It's, it's spread. Uh, we have in, in Mabil, which is, which is uh, in the central part of Durban, uh, of course, definitely it's not only in in the informal settlements or the, the township. And uh, what are you doing about this as uh, the Department of Communicable Diseases in uh, the city of Eteguini? We we are conducting uh, a campaign in terms of uh, finding out um, how the hygienic condition in preparation of food for the kids uh, in the, the, the source of water, uh, source of their sanitation condition, uh, which is relatively uh, 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 all right, because uh, in, even in former settlements, uh, there's portable water supplied by the municipality, and there are uh, ablution block which is maintained by municipality. So definitely, it's, it's, it's not that uh, the, the source of water is, is, uh, is problematic. It's not. Mm, because that, that would worry us a great deal. But also I see here uh, about 22 deaths were reported at Prince Mshieni Hospital. That's in Umla, the south of, of, of Durban. Of Durban, yes. What can you tell us about that? Why in the hospital? Yeah, remember, some of, the, some of these cases are, are death on arrival. And of course, will be counted as part of death. Uh, the people stay uh, too long before they seek help. By the time they come uh, to the hospital, even in the, within the hospital casualty, um, the, the, the kids are also overwhelmed that uh, there was little that uh, the help can give to them. And that's why we've now embarked on uh, the campaign to teach people how to prepare oral rehydration solution at home. And they start giving it before they even start seeking help so that... Um, there's no going to be severe dehydration, which is the problem mm. in the whole episode. And, and, and what uh, should people look out for? What are the symptoms, quickly, so that at least uh, when they, they spot those uh, symptoms, they can uh, rush uh, the, those, those people who are affected watery, to hospital? Watery diarrhea, watery stool, watery stool more than twice, that is not good enough. It's watery, and the child will come be vomiting, there can be fever, but most important is uh, a watery stool, which is not any stool that is not formed, and that is that is coming so profusely, need action, immediate action, prepare oral rehydration solution, start giving it when you are going to seek for help. Okay, we well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Ayo Olo Wolagba.
who is uh, a Tegwini communicable disease uh, uh, head there in Tegwini. At uh, 12.30, and it's time for the news headlines once again. Utsile Saku. We'll see you then. Thank you very much. Let's go down to Cape Town. Nancy Richards, what's coming up between 1 and 2 this afternoon? Hi there, Bongi. Thank you. Well, on the show today, how hopeful are you about your country's future? Well, that was a question that was asked to something like 12,000 young people across a number of countries in Africa. We'll be talking to a blogger who asked that question. I will also hear about the highly effective persona doll training and about autism and the benefit of early intervention. We'll be talking to a care centre who deal with exactly that. So I do hope you can join us. It's right after the news at 1. Thanks, Bongi. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Thank you very much there, Nancy. Looking forward to that. Great radio indeed still to come between 1 and 2 right here on SFM 104 to 107 nationwide at 28 minutes to 1. As you heard, uh, world's largest public opinion survey on corruption from Transparency International shows that more than, or rather more than one in four people paid a bribe in the last 12 months. And Tsepo uh, in Bolobedu says the Mopani District Municipality is one of the most corrupt municipalities in the country. And this one comes from uh, Lakimashele in uh, Matsakali village, saying that uh, corruption is being exacerbated by greediness and uh, desire to accumulate wealth through shortcuts. So those are just uh, some of the SMSs coming through on uh, 34701. We're also going to be reading your tweets at uh, Kuala B News. That's our Twitter handle at Kuala B News at SAFM Midday Live. You can also send us an email at, uh, should be Midday Live at sabc.co.za. We go to Egypt now, where the interim leader there, Adli Mansour, has outlined a timetable for elections to drag the country out of uh, the crisis. A day after 51 people were killed when troops fired on a crowd supporting ousted President Mohamed Morsi. Mansour's decree envisages changes to the Islamist drafted constitution and a referendum which would pave the way for elections early next year. For more on this now, we joined on the line by the political editor at the Daily News Egypt, Sarah Abubakar. Good afternoon to you, Sarah. Yeah, how are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. Uh, just uh, talk us through now uh, the, the, the timetable uh, outlined uh, by the interim leader there. What does it entail? Uh, I assume that the Constitution uh, it's supposed to be uh, part of the roadmap. We set the goal for the next uh, six months. Uh, some people have criticized the constitutional declaration. Other people are actually praising the constitutional declaration. Uh, the gist of it is that we will have presidential elections uh, within uh, six months. Uh, and before the presidential elections, we will have uh, parliamentary elections. The Constitution is expected to be uh, finished within the next three months. That's the gist of the Constitutional Declaration. But is the timeline realistic? Uh, whether, whether it's realistic or not, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Egypt has uh, lots of constitutional experts who have different, uh, different countries with their own constitutions. Is it possible that we have a Constitution in three months? We'll see. Some, some people are criticizing the time frame. However, uh, it's more if people want to work on the constitution that will serve the different groups in this country. It's quite easy. We have uh, enough constitutional experts, 
And we actually had several drafts uh, of formal constitutions that were not used by the 1954 constitution, which you can find an example of already. Okay. All right, so, so Sarah Abu Bakr, we're going to have to leave it at that. The, the line is, is really bad. We can't uh, make, make uh, a sense of uh, what uh, is coming through out of Egypt. We really apologize for that uh, poor line. Uh, Sarah Abu Bakr is uh, with uh, the Daily News Egypt. Uh, she's a political editor there. As you heard, uh, interim leader in Egypt, Edli Mansour, has outlined a timetable for elections, uh, trying to drag the country out of uh, the crisis there. We still wanted to hear about the 51 people who were killed yesterday when uh, the troops there opened fire on a crowd supporting the ousted president Mohamed Morsi but unfortunately the line let us down let's stay further afield but uh, bring it closer to home Zimbabwe is getting ready for the July 31st elections this as the registration for special votes gets underway today meanwhile Zimbabwe's Prime Minister Morgan Tsangrai says that his party the movement for democratic change is ready to contest elections uh, despite worries that uh, the poll is taking place uh, before democratic reform can be completed. Let's talk to our correspondent in Harare, Zimbabwe. Shinganyaga, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you. There is no turning back now. The elections are happening for, for real on the 31st of uh, July. Even uh, the opposition leader there, Morgan Chang Rai, is saying there's nothing I can do. Let's soldier on. But uh, just uh, give us uh, really the sense of what is going on. What are people on the streets saying? The, the, the sense of readiness insofar as the political parties are concerned, electioneering, and uh, really getting ready for the 31st. Well, um, as you said, uh, people have really come to accept the fact that um, this uh, 31st July election is inevitable. Um, and I think in a sense it's brought some kind of relief to people because they know that uh, post um, July 31st, they'll know exactly uh, where Zimbabwe stands politically and which direction it's heading. Um, obviously, the two main contestants, um, ZANU-PF and MDC, want to take the country in two very different directions. And that really is the message, uh, the messages that they're putting forward um, in the elect- election campaigns uh, which were, launch- which were launched um, first with ZANU-PF last um, Friday, as well as with the MDC on um, Sunday. And um, at at this point, I think people are just waiting to see just what kind of election um, it will be. It's three weeks away, but um, there's still a long time, still a long a period of time, um, you know, in terms of violence and intimidation. Uh, but at, at this stage, um, that really hasn't um, started to to, um, to to reflect yet. Over the weekend, you covered uh, President Robert Mugabe's uh, uh, manifesto presentation to some. 20,000-25,000 people there where he tore into uh, South Africa's uh, facilitation team, but uh, importantly saying that uh, ZANU-PF needs to correct the mistakes of 2008. What did you read into that? Was it, was it an admission that uh, there the, 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 the were problems? Was it an admission uh, that, uh, you know, they might have uh, stolen this, uh, this, uh, this uh, vote from uh, the MTC who were, by the way, declared the rightful winners of the 2008 election? Well, the, the message uh, by President Mugabe was a very aggressive one. 
um, a lot of, a lot of analogies and metaphors he used um, as he addressed uh, the party candidates um, related to um, them being soldiers uh, that they uh, they should ready for battle uh, that defeat is not an option that it's a do or die election and um, anywhere else uh, it might just uh, be seen as an encouragement to his supporters to fight uh, but given the past that the violent um, elections that we've witnessed in the past. It actually was um, quite a frightening uh, message that he put there, which had a lot of frightening um, undertones. Um, and, and really, given, as I said, what has happened in 2008, um, it, it actually might um, encourage his supporters um, to be violent, to, to make sure that they win this election at whatever cost. Mm. And uh, also we read uh, as well that uh, the voters' role there excludes a whole lot of uh, uh, young voters. Uh, and uh, so there's a lot of older voters there who might still have that uh, freedom-fighting mentality aligned to ZANU-PF. Should uh, the MDC, the both factions of uh, MDC be, and, and, and other uh, opposition parties be worried at this? I think, um, obviously, traditionally, the, the, the movement for democratic change and opposition parties have always attracted um, the younger um, voters, people who are disillusioned uh, with, with the past. Obviously, President Mugabe has really pushed um, this idea that uh, war veterans and people that fought um, for the country are, in a sense, um, or superior, or the policies that he's crafted are really geared towards uh, those people. And so the, the younger people have tended to feel excluded, and that's why they've been attracted to um, to, to the movement for democratic change. But what witnessed um, at the rally on Sunday uh, with the about 10,000 uh, movement for democratic change supporters was not just the young people, and some older people as well, who also feel that the past... Uh, 10, 15 years that have also been lost, um, and that in terms of the future that they had, they don't have much of a future um, going forward uh, with Sun Pierce. Um, but obviously, on the other hand, with, with uh, President Robert Mugabe also at his rally, there were also some young people who feel that they can benefit uh, from the indigenization drive um, that he's pushing. So on both sides, I think um, the demographics have, have shifted. And are quite representative of, of Zimbabweans at large. And uh, quickly, the registration for special votes getting underway today. What can you tell us about that? Uh, the registration process um, is actually for the general election, um, and that ends today. Um, this has been that 30 day uh, process that was uh, stipulated by the new constitution. And um, if people don't um, register to vote uh, to, or to register to, to vote today. They won't be able to participate in those elections. Uh, so there's been a, a lot of last-minute rushing uh, from people um, who hadn't uh, managed to register before. And in some centres, like an Epworth, uh, which had seen an overwhelming number of voters, uh, the, the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission has stepped up its representation there to try clear people uh, before seven o'clock today when the uh, voter registration centres close. Thank you very much uh, to our correspondent based in Arare, that's uh, Shingai Nyoka. We talk uh, corruption and uh, that report uh, that came through from uh, Transparency International.
And uh, this one says, uh, at the Polokwane Traffic Department, the testing officer charges a thousand rand to guarantee your driver license. That's uh, Ian Matikoto in uh, Sashiko there. And uh, after being on the waiting list for more than 16 years, some residents in Soweto who applied for the, D- the RDP houses in 1996 have given up on their dream of having a roof over their heads. They are citing rampant corruption in the allocation of these low-cost houses. This ranges from double allocation of some houses by officials and helping new applicants from 2008 jump the queue. In 1999, these residents formed the Soweto Homeless People's Organization to highlight some of these corrupt activities, but to no avail. Compounding their frustration is the fact that some of the beneficiaries on the 1996 list have died without getting houses. Our political correspondent Debo Mokobo spoke to some families of the deceased and filed this report for us. We feel that uh, the administration failed us because when the promises were made of RTP program, we had hope that everything is looking good. Now with everything that is going on at housing, people are told that their houses have already been handed only to find that some people are staying in that house. It simply tells that uh, there's no hope. It's a lost battle. Distraught Nebam Sebe, the only son of the late Ntombi Njam Sebe who passed away earlier this year. Neba is still living at his grandmother's place after him and his mother waited for their RTP house for more than 16 years. After burying his mother, he vowed to continue the battle that his mother waged 16 years ago, that of having a place they call home. He went to inquire with the Houghton Human Settlement only to be told that now that his mother is no more, he must bury his dream and like everyone apply for himself and join the millions on the waiting list. Still holding on to his mother's C-form and other related documents, the visibly disappointed Msebe said he has lost hope. As a person we depended on as an applicant of the house, she passed away. That means we will remain homeless because it took 16 years waiting for the house. So if I have to apply again, that means it can be another 16 years before we get the house. That means the chances are slim of us getting a house. On why Mam Sebe waited for so many years despite having to attend countless meetings organized by government officials, the Houghton Human Settlement spokesperson Motamai Motlaula said she couldn't get a house because there was no housing project in her area. When we build houses, we check if they still qualify, and if they qualify, then we approve them for subsidies. Now, once we've approved them for subsidies, we build the houses, and when those houses are ready, we're going to allocate them to those houses. But unfortunately, with Ms. Mseb, at the time of her going to death, there was no project linked to the area where she stayed. Therefore, we would have not applied for a housing subsidy for her, in which case then, if uh, there were houses in that area when she was still alive, we would have applied for a subsidy, and then based on that subsidy, we would have then allocated her, her house. But the founding member of the Soweto Homeless People's Organization, Sandy Lentwasa, disputes this. He said the RDP housing projects in Brown Fisherville, Deben Deep and Sepisong were built all five kilometers away from where Mam Sebere resides, saying all those who paid corrupt officials are already in occupation. It's quite surprising that the department says that because Bram Fisher, phase one, when we started to fight for people in 1997-98, we now have phase four or phase five. Those houses are two or three years ago. Why didn't they allocate houses to those people? There's an area called Ndabomshope, which is going towards Sepiso. Most of the people staying there are not people from Dobsonville. They're not people from here. Ntwasa said with corruption so entrenched and perpetrators walking free, 
more and more beneficiaries will die without getting their houses. Some of them will persevere until they die. Most of them will never ever get houses in their lifetime. The alleged corruption in the allocation of RDP houses ranges from the selling of these houses to officials helping new applicants to jump the queue and in some instances allocating a house to more than one family. A classical case is that of Nomalanga Makunga who died in 1998 without getting a house. With the help of some officials, someone is occupying a house in Bramfisherville and her youngest child, Irene Makunga, is crying out for help. So far, what I, I want to see happening, I need that house because I've got two children now. I'm living with my sister and my sister, she's got a, a son too. One day, maybe this son of my sister will take me out where I'm supposed to go then. In 1999, some people on the waiting list organized themselves under the Soweto Homeless People's Organization. Sandy Lentuas and Elias Mange championed their cause until they gave up. Mange, who now heads the Zakelene Housing Association, says to overcome the housing backlog, government has to establish a committee for homeless people with the main focus on the 1996 waiting list. My advice, if every parliament can get some committee of the homeless people, that desk can work together with government. It can be a solution. That committee must be the committee for the homeless people for South Africa to check what's happening to the homeless. Since 1994, about 3 million RDP houses have been allocated to poor South Africans, but currently the demand far outstrips the supply with a backlog of 2 million houses and the demand is set to increase with the mushrooming of informal settlements and the ever-increasing population in the country. Today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. And we say good afternoon to Mpo Mora of Sasfin Securities. Mpo, how has the firm Rand affected trade today? Good afternoon, Bongi. Our market is trading firmer with the most indices in the green except for the gold index, which is down due to, as you mentioned, the firmer rent. Markets are also better in Europe, where the FTSE is up 0.9%, DEX also up 0.9%, and the CAC 40 is half a percent better. Back to the JSC, we've got the gold index down 1.95%, resource index up half a percent, industrial index up 0.66%, financial index up 0.56%, the overall market is up 222 points or 0.56% to 40,019 points. And uh, big movers today? Uh, on the upside, we've got Mr. Price up 4.7% to 133 rands and 30 cents. Truworth up 4% to 87 rands and 19 cents. The Foschini Group also up 4% to 98 rands and 25 cents. Life Healthcare up 3.9% to 36 rands and 58 cents. Barlow World up 3.3% to 83 rands and 71 cents. On the downside, good average half felt down 7% to 16 rands and 55 cents. Anglo Gold Ashanti down 2.4% to 127 rands and 21 cents. Harmony Gold down 2.1% to 34 rands and 36 cents. Supergroup down 2% to 23 rands and 10 cents. And lastly, Octodec down 1.96% to 21 rands and 50 cents. And uh, your latest market indicators? The gold price is currently quoted $1,250.10 an ounce, platinum $1,359.55 a fine ounce, Brent crude $105.28 per barrel, the government R157 is trading at yield of 6.05%, and now to our currencies, the rent to the dollar is at 10 rents and 8 cents, the rent to the pound is at 14 rents and 96 cents, 
the rent to the euro is at 12 rands and 97 cents. Back to you, Bonki. Paul Moray is with uh, Saswin Securities. This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor-made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, please call and cancel my exercise therapy session with a calisthenics posture gait and lower lumbar vertebra specialist. The chiropractor, sir? Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click telcom.co.za forward slash business or visit a Telcom Direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. Midday Live on SAFM, 104-107. On the elections in Zimbabwe, Nare Nare says uh, Zimbabweans, uh, Zimbabwean nationals should have uh, a prayer day for successful elections. And of, on corruption, as we heard that report from uh, Transparency International, Eguruleni Metro received sports allocation budget 2011-2012, but uh, does not disperse it. Uh, that's uh, from Nancy De Bokomo uh, talking about uh, corruption also at uh, Ekuruleni Metropolis there, or Metropolis Metropolitan it should be. It's uh, 8 minutes now to 1. More than a month after former President Nelson Mandela was admitted to the Pretoria Heart Hospital, people come from far and wide to pay trees tribute to the world icon. Mandela's condition remains critical but stable. It has been four days since the presidency gave an update on his health. Mandela's wife, Cross Michelle, has been at his side since he was admitted and his former wife, Winnie, visits him early, nearly every day. And uh, of course, uh, Winnie, along with uh, Mandela's daughter Makaziwe and elders from uh, the Eastern Cape, were seen at the hospital today. Lila Machnas reports. The tribute at the entrance of the hospital continues to grow, with posters and cards being put up at both sides of the entrance. Earlier this week, a representative of the Nelson Mandela Center of Memory removed some of the cards and took some of the flowers inside the hospital. This morning, an under-18 school rugby team from Wimbledon in England visited the wall. They are on tour in South Africa and wanted to come pay tribute to Mandela. We just wanted to pay our respects, really, to such a great man and to a person who's changed the world. The amount of love for such a great man is, is amazing. Uh, you can see he's affected so many people, and the respect and the love that they've given him is amazing. And just, I've read a few of these messages, and you can see that. It's really just to pay respects to a great man who's made such an impact to, to South Africa on the whole. You know, just gone beyond South Africa. He's been, really been a, you know, a leading figure in all of, you know, all of the world with what he's done. Uh, you know, being an ambassador of what he believes in. Uh, and the impact he's had here in South Africa is just, you know, just paramount. It's shown on the wall here, just the respect and love that all the people have for him. Just after daybreak, a mother brought her two children to the tribute wall to pay tribute to Mandela. I want to show them where our Madiba is in hospital and... We are all, all part of this. Some people are starting to use the wall as a platform to convey their opinions about the country to the international media. Viva Africa, viva! I'm concerned about South Africa. Where I work, people are so different, they were so corrupt. I said, black alone, they cannot leave South Africa. I'm sorry to say that. We need integration in South Africa. The media contingent outside the hospital continues to dwindle with many international media houses working on skeleton staff. 
Next week, Mandela will turn 95. President Jacob Zuma has on numerous occasions asked South Africans and the world to make this Mandela Day the biggest Mandela Day in history. He wants everyone to give 67 minutes to do charity work in their communities. Lila Magnus, SABC News, Pretoria. The Gauteng Department of Economic Development plans to train over 250 informal traders in business entrepreneurship. According to the department, the global economic crisis has led to the unprecedented rise, unprecedented rise of uh, the informal sector as a safety net for many of uh, the province's poor. The Gauteng province does not have a coherent policy on informal traders and this has led to different municipalities pursuing different approaches towards the sector. The SABC's lifestyle journalist Pearl Makubane filed this report for us. The Johannesburg CBD, the hive of activity with hooting taxis, pedestrians and street hawkers. From food to bargain clothes, this as customers flock in numbers for bargain shopping. From clothes to nail polish, one can also get the hair done on the side pavement. And when you're done spotting the latest in hair trends, you can grab a fruit from a seller next door or get yourself a music CD from the music man not so far. Or better yet, get a new cover for your cell phone. Fixing a phone, I'm also selling a charger's accessories, something like a memory card. Are you getting a lot of customers? The business is good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I like, I like the place. It's nice. I'm not facing any problem. I'm making literacy affordable. I sell books at 3 for 10 rand, 3 for 15 rand, 3 for 20 rand. I have many, many customers. And I do this with pleasure. The main challenge is the weather. We've got wonderful people here every day. They're reading, they're buying, they're pleasant, they're working. And I think that is very rewarding to see it. They were not here 20 years ago. But for this mother of six, who travels from Togoza to town, selling fat cooks and sandwiches, business has not been good. She says she used to make a profit while selling in the streets, but she has since moved to the recently built sheltered stalls where she now pays rent, something she says she can't afford. We paid 900 rand for rent and we can't afford it and then we fell into debt. We can't afford it all but we need this place so that the children can have something in their stomachs before going to bed. Then I have to have 15 rand for my taxi fare to Togoza but there's nothing I can do because there are no jobs available. Most of these traders have been selling on the streets for years and are not registered, and some endure cold weather conditions, sometimes unwarranted harassment by the Metro Police who enforce bylaws. Some have been selling for years, but with no visible growth. Gauteng Economic Development MEC Ngosi Pendule Kolisile says that needs to change. He says they are now interacting with these informal traders to initiate a process for the formation of an umbrella body, craft an information trading policy for Gauteng and initiate campaigns on xenophobia and corruption in the sector. We are going to be training a number of them, more than 250 in this financial year. But we are also going to be targeting about 50 of these people to register with CI we are also going to be working with these people to expose them to more business opportunities. Those who want to grow from the level they are 
today are going to be exposed to opportunities. All the government agencies are going to put heads together in order to help these people. At the Bui taxi rank, there were some stalls occupied, but it was not clear what was sold there, which raised an alarm bell about possible illegal activities, which are a major concern for the department. We want to promote those activities that are legal. As you have seen here, and I'm mostly concerned about what I've just seen here, where people are claiming to be doing some business, but you can't see the kind of business they are doing. This is what we would want to root out, and we are going to nip it in the bud. That's how we come to the end of uh, our Tuesday edition of Midday Life. Thanks to the teams, Tarazel Lamini, Mandi Samtelu, and Mabubuloka, technical producer Judy Motupi, and acting senior producer today, Namaliza Mandela, executive producers Busisiwe Chane and Obrisechie. My name is Bongi Kuala. Let's meet again for your midweek edition tomorrow. That's between 12 and 1. And uh, coming up next is Otherwise with uh, Nancy Richards between 1 and 2. And don't forget, PM Live, courtesy of Dash and Moodley, 4 to 6 today. Till then, bye-bye.